0: This is AutoLine Daily, the show dedicated to enthusiasts of the global automotive industry. Mercedes released its third quarter earnings and like General Motors results that we reported yesterday, they were substantially better than a year ago. The company sold more than 630,000 vehicles, including commercial vans, a gain of nearly 35 percent, and its EVs outperformed that increase. Its passenger BEV sales were up 183%, and electric van sales were up a third, but it did not provide specific numbers. That helped its revenue jump 19% to more than 37 billion euros, and its EBIT, or Earnings Before Interest and Taxes, were up 83%, while its net profit soared 104% in the third quarter. And because of the strong results... Mercedes raised its full-year profit forecast. Speaking of Mercedes, it's the latest automaker to quit the Russian market. It will sell its shares in its industrial and financial services subsidiaries to a local dealer chain. Mercedes says the sell-off won't affect its future financial results beyond what it already has reported. Through the first nine months of the year, the automaker has sold less than 10,000 vehicles in Russia – which is down nearly three-quarters compared to last year. The Hyundai Group broke ground on its first dedicated EV and battery plant in the U.S. The automaker and its suppliers are investing $5.5 billion in the new facilities, which will be located in Georgia. The site will produce EVs for Hyundai, Kia, and Genesis with an annual capacity of 300,000 units. Production is expected to kick off in the first half of 2025. The new plant is part of the Hyundai Group's goal to sell over 3.2 million electric vehicles a year globally by 2030. And perhaps more importantly for the company, once the Georgia plant is up and running, the automaker will qualify for EV tax incentives under the new Inflation Reduction Act. And speaking of that bill... Reuters reports that U.S. and European Union government officials are forming a task force next week to discuss the EU's concern that the IRA discriminates against foreign brands. In order to receive EV incentives, the law requires electric vehicles to be produced in North America and that a certain percentage of battery minerals be sourced from the U.S. or other free trade partners. But with the EU, along with South Korea, lobbying hard against those provisions, it looks like the requirements could be relaxed. At Schaeffler, we pioneer motion. Electrifying mobility. Manufacturing smarter. Reducing CO2 emissions. Making energy production clean. Schaeffler pioneers motion to advance how the world moves. We recently reported that Opel is reviving its old performance sub-brand GSE, but this time only for electrified models. And we're starting to see the first examples. It already showed off the Astra GSE, And now it's showing off a version of the Grandland SUV. And like the Astra, the Grandland GSE doesn't have any power upgrades. Right now it's all about handling and cosmetics. It comes with stiffer springs and dampers, sporty front seats, unique 19-inch wheels, a rear diffuser, and GSE badging. Under the hood is the same powertrain as the plug-in hybrid Grandland, a turbocharged 1.6-liter engine mated to two electric motors that combine for 221 kilowatts or 300 horsepower of all-wheel drive fun. While there's a little less sport in these models that you might like to see, we suspect that will come with future versions. But there's no doubting the sport of this next model. Lotus revealed its first ever all-electric vehicle, the Electra. The performance SUV comes in two power outputs, The first delivers 450 kilowatts or 603 horsepower, while the more powerful dual motor setup offers 675 kilowatts or 905 horsepower. Performance from zero to 100 kilometers an hour comes in at either four and a half or just under three seconds. All models also feature air suspension, torque vectoring, and a 112 kilowatt hour battery pack. With the standard setup, it provides 600 kilometers or 373 miles of range, while the performance model has up to 490 kilometers or 304 miles of range. The interior of the Electra is minimalistic but features a modern design and a large display screen in the center of the dash which runs off a new operating system that allows for over the air updates. The electric SUV also comes standard with deployable LiDAR, which Lotus says supports end to end autonomous driving. Look for the Electra to go on sale in the first half of next year with a starting price range between 96,000 to 151,000 euros. Despite that higher price tag, Lotus says it already has thousands of deposits placed. Speaking of new vehicles, Honda is going to show off the new Accord next month, and it's teasing the sedan with a set of pictures that don't show much, but it did reveal it will have a more responsive hybrid powertrain, Honda's largest ever touchscreen at 12.3 inches, and its first integration of Google into the car. Audi finally made it official. It's getting into Formula One with the Sauber Group, which is currently racing under the Alfa Romeo banner. Audi already has 120 people working on a new powertrain, even though it will not make its racing debut until 2026. That powertrain includes an electric motor, battery control systems, and a 1.6 liter piston engine that will run on carbon neutral synthetic fuel and develop. 544 horsepower. The electric motor will produce nearly as much power, bringing total output to over 1,000 horsepower. In a way, this represents Audi's return to Grand Prix racing. Auto Union, which was Audi's predecessor, ran its famous supercharged V16 cars in Grand Prix racing from 1933 to 1939. Nissan was once an EV leader when it came out with the LEAF in 2010, but it failed to expand its EV lineup and squandered its first-mover advantage. Now the company hopes to make up for lost time with the Aria, and we just got to test drive one yesterday, and here are our initial impressions. This is a good-looking EV that will appeal to people who find Tesla's a bit too minimalistic. The interior is much richer looking than any Tesla and it has a high tech vibe with a long horizontal instrument panel dominated by dual 12.3 inch monitors that are butted together in one large curved display. Push the start button and the instrument cluster comes alive with an animation and soundtrack that shows off its graphic capabilities. Some other slick features include an electronically operated sliding center console that you can move back and out of the way or move it forward as a working surface when not driving. There's also an electronically operated glove box in the center of the IP that glides in and out of place. And this is a roomy vehicle with plenty of luggage space behind the rear seats even if they're not folded down. We drove the front wheel drive version which comes with a single 238-horsepower electric motor, which sounds pretty good, except this vehicle is a bit slow off the line compared to other EVs. An all-wheel drive model with dual motors and a combined 389 horsepower should prove to be a lot peppier when it comes out. In about an hour of driving on both highway and surface streets, we averaged 3 miles per kilowatt hour with an outside temperature around 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's decent, but nothing to write home about. However, Nissan's self-parking feature called ProPilot Park, which handles both parallel and back-end parking, was impressive and worked flawlessly. So did ProPilot 2.0, which allows for hands-free driving on highways that have been pre-mapped. Nissan says over 200,000 miles of highways have been mapped in the U.S. That's some of our initial impressions, and we look forward to spending more time in the Aria and learning more about it. But that brings us to the end of today's show. Thanks for joining us, and we'll be right back here again tomorrow.